Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. There are days I actually think I need to pinch myself because I get to talk to such amazing humans. And today I'm so excited to share one of them with you, Selena Kulkarni. She is an Amazon best-selling author, chartered accountant, certified personal property investment advisor, and the founder of Freedom Warrior Mastermind. She's passionate about showing business owners how to win in the arena of personal wealth and build predictable, sustainable income outside of their business. She spent over 20 years exploring alternative wealth building strategies that deliver results fast and shave decades off traditional timelines to financial freedom. Freedom Warrior is a mastermind for her private clients designed to help business owners catapult their wealth and build a high six-figure income in 18 months to five years. She challenges the traditional wisdom and exposes business owners to a new world of alternative cash flow, generating investing and insights normally reserved for the ultra wealthy. Oh my gosh. Are you guys so excited to hear all that she has to share with you today? I know I am. Hello. Hello, super expanders. How are you? I hope that you are having an amazing day wherever you are listening right now to the super expander podcast. I'm so excited to share with you, Selena Kolkarni. Oh, it's so great to be here, Corey. Ah, goodness. I'm so excited that you that we actually have this opportunity to chat. So a little bit of context. Um, we were introduced by a mutual friend, mentor, business coach. And we had the, we really, after the introduction, had this amazing conversation, realized we had some synergies and just this really strong connection. So here we are today sharing a, a cool conversation with you guys. <laughs> Oh, look, I, I'm such a huge believer in intuitive connection. And uh, yeah, I definitely felt that with you straight up. Yes, it was so good. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive in and just share you with, with, with my audience here so that they get to understand and just know how amazing you are. So we, we waste no time here on the Super Expander podcast and we just go deep straight away. So what I'd really love for you to share with everyone is who Selena is at, at your core. Like who, who are you? What drives you? Wow. That is such a deep question. So, (laughs) um, I think I'm someone who's a a really deep thinker. I'm, I'm someone who's, you know, I think I would be described as very compassionate. I am definitely relationships first, money second. 
you know, I, I, I treasure the relationships that I have in my world. I'm so grateful for the people who I've met. And I think I was born into this world very unsure about everything. You know, I, I think you're just born a certain way and, and I was definitely born not sure of my place in the world, not sure about what I wanted to do. And it's really, you know, I think I'm, um, I'm an extremely uh, coachable person, I think. And so I think I've been very much shaped by life experiences. And so I think that my path in life has evolved as a result of, you know, different interactions and then probably second half of the life, just becoming a bit more intuitive about, you know, what my strengths were and, and then trying to actually apply those in a way that was congruent with, with my values. I don't know if I'm answering this the right way or not, but um, I'm a very yes. big heart person. Heart person. <laughs> There's no right or wrong way to answer the question other than just honestly sharing what what you feel and I feel like it, it's it's such a deep question and I feel like it's, it kind of throws people off usually straight straight off the bat <laughs> and it requires us to think deeply so lucky for you you are a, a deep thinker by nature and I feel like that's it's funny because I think that every time I ponder that question as I'm asking someone the question. I feel like there's a new depth, a new layer that come comes to that. But what I love about what you were, how you were describing yourself is it really aligns so actually perfectly well with what you do in this world, at least in terms of my definition of, of wealth. So you're so much of what you do surrounds building wealth, right? And freedom. And I feel like when we start thinking about wealth, to me, it really is the only way to achieve it is to value relationships. I mean, that's like, and I think wealth is so much more than just dollars in the bank. I think wealth truly is valuing relationships, being curious, being being coachable, being open to, to learning and receptive to new ways. Yeah, ab absolutely. I think um, I think you're right. I think in in today's world, life is complex, and competition for um, knowledge and deals for wealth building is fierce, like absolutely fierce. So the only thing that gives you an edge is how good are you at making friends? How good are you at you know developing uh, relationships which can support you on your journey? Oh my gosh, so, so when I was walking my dog today, I was actually thinking very similar thoughts because I was like, I wonder why it is that when kids are in school, they don't really reinforce and drive home how important it is to nurture your relationships. And the context with which I was really thinking about that was if I had at I mean, I have always valued relationships, but I was kind of like in my mind reviewing over how many amazing people have come into my life. And there are certain people I was like, you know, I didn't really stay in contact or I didn't really nurture that relationship because I wasn't really thinking in a bigger, longer range, I guess, thought process at that point. I feel like it's something that they really should talk to kids about. And because I think when we're younger, especially like that high school type age, we don't really start to think about people outside of our own age bracket and fostering 
those relationships were so focused on like the peer set. So the reason why I went off on like a soliloquy there talking about that was because I wanted to really kind of peel back. And when did you start to prioritize relationships? Like when, like when was that a, a thing for you that you just knew that it was super important? Well, that's a great question. You know, look, I, I think I've always valued in, intuitively, I've always valued friendships and, and, and relationships that matter, but I think you're quite right. I think when you're younger, you tend to just focus on, you know, your peer group, everything's about, you know, relationships from school relationships of your own age. It probably wasn't until I got into the workforce um, I started to, you know, branch out and start to make friendships, deep friendships with people who are much older than me, um, maybe some people who are younger than me, and then probably into my 30s. I, so I, I really should say I'm a, I'm a late bloomer in a way. It wasn't, an, you know, it really is the last 10 years that I've really kind of thought long and hard about um, energy. And I think energy is um, finite, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think as I've become a little older and wiser, I, I realized that, you know, I don't have that infinite energy that I felt I had in my 20s. So I, I'm really mindful that I want to make sure I invest in my friendships that matter the most because I realize as you go through life, you can collect lots of acquaintances. And, you know, it's very easy to have energy leaks into relationships that maybe don't matter as much to you or are a little bit more superficial on the surface. And so it's really been a a mindfulness exercise the last few years, especially, you know, something that's really influenced me is when um, maybe good friends pass. I mean, Mm. that that really shakes you. You know, I've, um, I know this sounds really weird, but I've had to emcee um, maybe half a dozen funerals in the last five years. And, and that really, you know, shakes you to your core. So I'm, I'm very conscious that you never know when your time is up. It's really important to invest in the relationships that matter the most to you. And this has nothing to do with, you know, wealth now, this is just life. And, you know, it, 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 it's life is busy. So I think that, um, I really feel like I have to put effort into staying in touch with the people that matter to me because I don't know that um, some of those people may not necessarily, you know, have the bandwidth to continuously reach out to me, which makes it sound very one-sided, but I I just like to be the leader in terms of, you know, creating that that bond. Uh, I love that. Yeah, it's. I think that I, I can really resonate with that. And I feel like it's it feels good actually. Sometimes I think to know that you're the one that there's not necessarily an attachment, I guess, to the outcome, right? You're invested and not necessarily like, it's not specifically reciprocity that you're looking for. You're looking to pour into the relationship and just create depth. Totally. Uh, I, yeah, I love that. That's so good. So when was it that your journey into building wealth, into doing what you do today, when did that all begin? Um, look, my, my dad was, I think, subconsciously a big influence for me. When I was about 10, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And, you know, the experience as a 10-year-old was I just saw him kind of completely change overnight. 
He stopped being a a happy-go-lucky kind of funny guy and he just became, you know, intensely uh, stressed and worried. And, you know, I completely, you know, I look back now and I completely understand it, but he was mainly worried about like how his wife and two daughters were going to survive without him. You know, my parents were not, you know, they didn't have much money at all. Um, you know, they, they pretty much lived hand to mouth. And, uh, you know, fortunately for him, they developed some technology that allowed him to extend for another six to 12 months and then extend for another six to 12 months. And he actually went on to live another 30 years. But oh, my gosh. I know. But the impact that I saw that diagnosis have on him was so profound that I remember thinking, particularly in my later teens, that I never, ever want to have that kind of relationship with money. And so I think the seeds were sown like the whole way through high school, I wanted to be a vet. And it wasn't until the the nth hour that I, I pivoted and I switched into becoming an accountant and studying economics. And then, you know, the career into Deloitte and working for big accounting firms and corporate kind of just happened without much thought, to be honest. I I wasn't, I was just kind of going with the flow. And then maybe in my late 20s, um, you know, I started to have that itch again for, okay, I better get it together around the, the money piece. And so, you know, my husband was the one who introduced us to property investing Uh, And I was slow to come to the party, but um, when I eventually realized, you know, what he was trying to achieve and I looked at it, I realized I was earning more money doing the investing than I was in my day-to-day job. So I kind of, you know, we joke that I sweetly said to him, look, step aside, I'll take it from here because it wasn't his, you know, it wasn't his core skill set. And then, you know, as time passed, people just started to say to me, well, how did you do that? Because, you know, I never earned great money. But what I was, my superpower, even from very early on, was taking whatever limited money we had left over and massively amplifying it and trying lots of different strategies like, you know, okay, I'm going to do a syndication and I'm going to do a flip and I'm going to do a, you know, joint venture and I'm going to do buy and hold and I'm going to do all these different strategies. And I think that the play of money became more fascinating to me than, you know, even the outcomes. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't really set out to create any kind of business around it. It just evolved because people just started to ask me, well, how did you do that? Like, you know, how, how have you done that? And, and then eventually the business came later. Um, but yeah, very organic. And so, yeah, I would say, yeah, late twenties, early thirties was the start of the, the serious part of the journey. Uh, I feel like that's always the sign of true talent and like really be operating in your zone of genius is when you get those, how did you do that? That's always when I, when I talk to my clients who are trying to kind of find their zone of genius, that's always the question I say, what do people ask you the most? What, do, what feedback do you get? What do they ask you to share with them? And so I feel like that's a huge Indicator. So tell me more about that. So I feel like you kind of might like a little bit re- revealed the secret to building wealth, which again was that you you were in a sense of play while you were doing it. Oh yeah. Look, you know, it, it's fun, you know, because it's 
it's a much more creative space than people give it credit. So I think the way that the, the majority of the world talk about money and wealth is that it's a, an exact science. If you do X, then you will achieve Y. And, and financial planners particularly kind of spread that word of, you know, set aside your money and save your way to retirement. Whereas for me, wealth building is much more of an art. And, you know, having had a lot of cuts and bruises, like, don't get me wrong, I've made lots of mistakes and I've lost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, you know, I, at one point we lost our house over a deal that I did. So I've, I've done, you know, the dirty reps or I've done the hard yards. And so I feel that I can speak from a space of when I look at people's, you know, I think of myself first and foremost as a wealth strategist and what I feel that I can do with, you know, a high degree of accuracy now is I can look, numbers always paint a picture and they always have done, you know, as an accountant, that was such a fantastic, even though I say I'm a reformed accountant now, um, it was such a fantastic training ground, but I can look at people's numbers now and they just tell a story. So even though I, you know, I look for, you know, obviously conversations with whoever I'm working with to understand their journey, I feel their numbers often tell a picture of, you know, have they been a good steward? Have they been effective at choosing investments that align with their goals? Um, how much pain do they have around money? Where's their money mindset at? And, you know, all those things that kind of, as I said, like the art of creating wealth is so much more, it's, it's more like chemistry than it is, you know, mathematics, if you like. So, uh, yeah, I just, I kind of feel like um, if you do something, you have to be interested. I guess that's the first thing. I think a lot of people want the wealth, but they outsource the decision-making to someone else. And I know for sure that nobody cares about your money as much as you do. And you can't hand, you know, the car keys to somebody else and say, can, can I give you my money and can you make some decisions for me? And that's what 99% of people do is they put their faith in someone else, assume that person cares as much as they do and hopes that they get them where they need to go. And, you know, mostly it doesn't happen. Yeah. So. Oh, that's so many metaphors for so many things <laughs> right there. Uh, so something that you said, I'd love to back up. It sounds to me that you're very intuitive, especially when it comes to numbers. If you can start to understand someone through just essentially looking at their numbers, that's that's a pretty powerful skill, a pretty powerful gift and talent that you have. Was that something that happened kind of like you just naturally stepped into being able to identify that? Or was that something that kind of just became sharper the longer you were doing it? Um, I'd say probably the latter. I mean, you know, as an accountant, if you think about most most accountants, they're good with numbers, right? Mm -hmm. But what people assume accountants are good at is that they're good at wealth building. So most people will ask advice of their accountants. Do you think this is a good investment deal or not? Do you think I should do this or not? And the truth of the matter is most accountants, they know how to read numbers and account for your money but they don't necessarily know what to do with it. So there's a bit of a disconnect there. And, and as well, 
accountants are pretty black and white with how they view numbers. And it's, it's usually a, an emphasis on, you know, producing data to help you make decisions um, about your business or um, about your tax and things like that. But um, I think as, you know, even my own experience has really shaped, like I, I know a lot of ins and outs around how to present to structure yourself for, for finance so that you look good to the banks. Um, and I have a, a lot of ways of structuring the flow of money so that you give yourself a, a higher probability of creating surplus because that's essentially you need surplus to invest. Um, so those things have probably come from consuming a lot of information, um, practicing things myself, meeting people along the journey who have really shaped my thinking. But it's definitely that whole idea that, you know, where energy goes, where attention goes, sorry, energy flows. Oh, yes, it's so, so true. And I feel like everybody truly does want sort of the shortcut piece, no matter what it is that they want the booming business, they want the, the, all the, all the followers and likes on social media, all the money in the bank, we would like to outsource (laughs) that, but we really, you really do have to have a depth and breadth of understanding. I mean, I think there are certain things you can outsource for sure, but even before you do, you have to understand it before you outsource, because how will you know if it's being taken care of properly? Yeah. Yeah. Look, absolutely. There's so much truth in that. Yeah. So I would love to know how, when you started flipping houses and getting into the real estate market, I'd love to kind of like know a little bit more about how you learned about it. Was it primarily trial and error? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, my husband and I have definitely invested heavily in education over the last 20 years, hundred percent. Like we've had different coaches and um, different mentors along the way. But I would say predominantly, you know, the experience has been that we've been given a lot of theory of here's how, you know, here are the mechanics of how property works or here are the mechanics. I did a lot of share trading as well. Um, But, you know, I I think there's there's theory and then there's practice. Mm. And, you know, practice in and around the share market, for example, made me really clear that that was not an asset class that I liked because it was so volatile. There was so reliant on sentiment. There was so little I could control. Didn't matter how good my decision-making was, you know, I could make, you know, gains for several years and then have the whole lot wiped out in, you know, a single black swan type event. So I didn't like that. Didn't like that side. And with the property, you know, it's a slow moving beast. It, you know, if you invest well, and I, again, as I said, you know, we had plenty of cuts and bruises, but I like the stability of it. I, I definitely learned predominantly through practice. Mm-hmm. And then I think what happens is as your knowledge base grows, you become more discerning and you start to learn how to ask a better quality of question. And as you start to ask a better quality of question, the right mentors will appear that actually can support you in that. And as time has gone, I've realized that the people who've been most impactful to me 
are not the, you know, the high ticket celebrity type coaches. It's actually been the, you know, the quiet, unassuming, non-celebrity, real investors. Um, yeah. Who, yeah. If you find those people and you can become friends and just learn through osmosis, really, that's where the goal is. Wow. So good. So something I feel like is important to know when we're talking about investing is our risk tolerance. So you're talking about real estate and I sort of what I'm listening, especially the volatility of the market, where do you fall in terms of like the scope of that and how, I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit, but maybe talk a little bit more how you were able to, I don't know, nail that down for yourself. I have a question for you. Have you joined the super expander free mentorship community? If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. Text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. Yeah. So, um, so I've, I've done a lot, you know, for 20 years plus I've done traditional real estate investing, but probably in the last 12 years, my focus has shifted to non-traditional alternative investments. Um, so I help people now with understanding and accessing non-traditional investments so they can retire in a, you know, two to five year timeline instead of the 30 to 45 year timeline that, that most investors experience. I, I think part of the challenge for people right now in the world is there's an avalanche of information out there. Some of it is conflicting. And I think the big challenge for new investors or, or even experienced investors is distinguishing between good information that's relevant and just marketing. That's the big challenge. Um, so, you know, I feel like what I really am passionate about is helping the self-made entrepreneur, like not someone who necessarily came from money, but who's trying to um, build it on their own and looking for a GPS, if you like, rather than, you know, just being handed the map and trying to figure out the path on their own. Um, so, okay. yeah, I, yeah. Not sure if that answered the question. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like some ears had to have perked up there though, because you talked about retirement in two to four years. So can you expand just a little bit on what a non-traditional investment might be? Yeah. So um, maybe behind that, the, the reason that most investors will take decades to hit any kind of meaningful you know, and I use retirement loosely because most entrepreneurs find that a dirty word, but it's kind of, for me, retirement equals the freedom to choose, you know, yeah. how, you, how you spend your time. So not retirement in the, 
in the typical sense of, you know, stopping work and doing nothing. Um, but examples of, so alternative investments, which is now the area I focus on, is such a broad word. And down one end of the spectrum, you can have super hair-raising risky stuff like seed capital, venture capital, um, you know, things, you know, your cryptos and all, all that kind of stuff, which for me is pretty hair-raising high-risk stuff. Down the other end of the spectrum, you have alternative strategies which are backed by real property. And that is the space that I like to play. So what that means is as an investor, you have the highest level of control, but you don't have to deal with tenants and toilets. You don't have to run the deals. Um, you get to participate with, um, you know, a, a high degree of certainty, low levels of risk and really strong predictable cash flow. And so those strategies, the reason they, they massively shortcut your timeline to financial freedom or retirement or whatever word you want to use is because uh, they allow you to build a parallel income stream in alignment with your business that you could actually live off within a very short space of time. So instead of needing to aspire to a ridiculously lofty net worth, so everyone focuses on net worth, net worth as the key metric for financial success. But what I advocate is if you took a small fraction of your wealth and put it into alternative investments where you could get that dependable, you know, robust cash flow, you just don't need as much wealth as, you know, what, what typical wealth gurus tell you you need, um, you know. And so my philosophy is how can you have your cake and eat it too? How can you, you know, have, you know, a foot in traditional investments if that's what makes you feel good? and take a small fraction of that and put it into alternative so that the overall cash flow is like five times, 10 times better than it would otherwise be if you were just in traditional investments so that you fast track things. Because otherwise, you know, to get to these lofty goals that people have like 5 million, 10 million, 30 million, 20 million, like that takes a long time. But, you know, I, I've met too many, I've worked with hundreds of business owners who have a high net worth and they still have to work their guts out to support their investment portfolio before they even put food on the table. And, you know, I think net worth is only valuable if it actually produces income that actually you could live off to support your lifestyle. So during the last couple of years with everything going on that's crazy in the world, you know, there was a lot of high net, high net individuals, high net worth individuals who just really floundered because the business interruption was huge. They had no cash flow to rely on and, and their investments were producing nothing. And um, so what I'm advocating is you just don't need as much as you think if you can access better quality of, of investments. Kind of sounds like almost building a cash machine, like a little totally. printer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. So I have not had the opportunity to read it yet, but it literally just arrived at my house. So I'm excited about your book. Now, are inside of the book, The Freedom Warrior, that, is this the sort of thing that you talk about that people might be interested in getting a whole, their hands on a copy of that book? 
look, you can you can totally get the book. I have a um, a playbook as well, which is a a short PDF that people can read if they just want the nuts and bolts. And I have to mention when I when I first wrote that book um, a few years ago now, I was really talking to an Australian audience, but the the fundamentals would you know the universal. Um, but yeah, like I guess I, I'm trying to share in that book my experience of wealth and and how it's kind of played out for me and how I could have really shortcutted everything. You know, in, in 2009, when I first started getting interested in alternative, I, you know, I was always good enough with numbers that I could project out like how long before I hit some kind of meaningful cash flow from my investments. And at that time, I think I was 25 years away. And I, I just was like, oh my God, like I've hustled and, you know, I've redlined my finances to build this, you know, pretty decent property portfolio. And yet I'm still miles away from financial freedom. And that, unfortunately, you know, whether it's Wall Street or, you know, other investments, people find themselves in a situation where, you know, they're being comforted by their wealth advisors that, you know, you've got a high net worth. But unless your strategy is to eat the cow, I say, which is sell down your assets to live, it's a pretty hollow kind of, you know, wealth position to be in. Yeah. Oh, such, such nuggets of wisdom coming through here. I love it. So you guys have to go find the playbook. Is it on, can they, can anyone listening, can they find it on your website? Yeah, absolutely. So okay. the website is um, inkosiwealth.com, I-N-K-O-S-I. Um, and I don't know if uh, you know where that name came from, but it's the Zulu word for tribal leader. Uh-huh. It's the the number one metric that I measure with my clients. We call it Inkosi. And it's the great equalizer because everyone's got different aspirations. And so Inkosi is a measure of how much passive income your investments generate. And so what you're tracking is the percentage of your goal met. So whether your aspiration is to get to $80,000 passive income or a million dollars passive income, you can still share openly with others like, yeah, okay, I'm at, I'm at 20% or I'm at 30% or I'm at 80%. Um, so that's where that comes from. Oh, I love that so much. That's so good. So that'll, of course, be in the show notes for everyone to find so they can come and learn from you and, of course, get into your world. So along the way on this journey of ups and downs of building wealth and learning all the ins and outs, there had to have been some super expanders in in your life. I'd love to hear a super expander story if if you're open to share. Sure. Um, do you want me to name them or just describe them? Oh, you can, whatever feels good for you. Uh, so most recently I met a guy in a business, uh, conference in Sydney who turned out to be from the U S and he has definitely been my most recent super expander. And I'd love to, uh, give credit to him. His name is David Phelps. And he is one of the sweetest human beings. He's got, he's so humble and he's so generous. And there was an icebreaker that we did at this particular conference, which required you to give someone a hug and then share a bit of information. And, and uh, 
yeah, I just, I just straight away really liked who he was. I had no idea what he did. I found out, you know, later that he, uh, he was actually a uh, similar, he was a wealth strategist and mentor for people in and around the wealth space. And he invited me to come over to the States to see his mastermind. I'm going to say six years ago. And up until that point, I'd been working with clients one-on-one in a very unleveraged way. And he kind of showed me what was possible for, you know, not only, you know, what I love about him was, you know, obviously he has an entrepreneurial mind, but he just broke the mold for me in terms of, he just did it with such love for the people he worked with, um, such humility and with high degree of ethics and high care factor. And yeah, I just could see that he was just a real beacon for attracting good people into his world. So I really, you know, I've learned a lot from him and I took a leaf from his book when I started my mastermind that I wanted to be that kind of person. Like I never want to lose sight of, you know, the fact that money is emotional that people's lives matter, uh, that sometimes there are some matters of the heart that will completely outweigh people's rational decision-making. And I think the superpower that I've really focused on that we, we started with is how do I build relationships with the best investors in the world to be able to call them friends so that I can influence the lives of people who work with me. And that's, you know, I really very much attribute that to him. Oh, I have chills. I, now I want to meet him. And we have the same last name. So I feel like I, now I have. Now yeah. I have. <laughs> We're not even related. I don't, I don't think maybe, I mean, you never know. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that story so much. So I feel like I have a great sense of how you're going to answer this particular question because the more we speak, the more I've gotten to know you. It's just abundantly clear that we have very similar core values. But what is it that in terms of like your North Star, the thing that really drives you to keep doing what you're doing, to keep, I don't know, showing up and educating people and be just being in this space. What is your North star? I think for me, the reason that I, you know, I, my husband and I have talked about this, like we, we could just do a development every year or do some investing and live off what we have and shut up shop. Both of us, we could just shut down the businesses and just, you know, live on our own little planet and, and just enjoy life. But I think, you know, my North star or my anchor, if you like, is, I actually really love working with people and and having an impact. So the two ways that I choose to have an impact, uh, one is um, I work with entrepreneurs and I love entrepreneurial people. And I see that, you know, there's, it doesn't really matter how successful people are. There's often a lot of pain around the money because of all the reasons we've talked about, like it's, it's not spoken about in clear language, people are not empowered around their their money and wealth. So there's that end of the spectrum. And then the other end is like, I I really love kids. And as we, you know, you touched on earlier, 
I think the school system doesn't do a great job of describing and supporting and helping children understand how to have a good relationship with money. You know, we're not told how to budget and manage money and pay bills and invest is not even, you know, a word used at all. And so the other the other kind of work that I do, which I, I just do for love, is working with teenagers and helping them understand how to have a good, and the funny thing is the stuff that I teach the teenagers is almost identical to the stuff I teach the, you know, the grown adults. But I just think, imagine having that information as a, you know, anywhere from 13 to 18 year old and, and starting, you know, getting into the workforce on the right foot. So it's not so much about specifically teaching them specific deals or how to do deals. We touch on that a little bit, but it's, you know, the, the foundation for wealth building is great stewardship. And that is a dying word, let alone a dying art. So I think if you can, if you can teach kids to have a great relationship to money, to understand that, you know, if you, you know, there's frugality as a spectrum as well, and it can be super ugly or it can be, be super healthy. Um, and yeah, I just think that is the impact that I think I want to have. And, and, you know, more and more, I think I want to do more charitable work. I want to do micro business loans to third world. I want to work with kids. So over time, I think I'll become more and more selective about you know, who I work with and how I work and the hours I keep. But right now I just feel like the fulfillment is really the North star. You know, Mm. how do I feel? I have impact. How do I feel fulfilled? You know, I have these skills, I think to just keep them to myself would be selfish. And I think, you know, I, I certainly don't feel done. I feel like I have a lot to learn still. Um, you know, the people who I describe as my trusted advisor network, like my mentors, they're like heads and shoulders above, you know, me and their skill set and knowledge. And so that's part of the journey as well is, you know, how do I level up? Mm. Oh, that's speaking my language. So, so good. I love <laughs> that you are, are educating the, the youth, the teenagers, because it's something that I actually, I have conversation with my daughter about this all of the time is that it's a come out of college. If you were fortunate to have had your parents pay for college or to even have the good fortune to go to college, but to come out in a place where you're not straddled with debt, you have this like wide world of opportunity, but they are birthed into this world of consumerism right and so and and debt right so building it's it's completely normal and totally fine to just start racking up debt immediately and i was trying to explain to her the power of like this is like the only time you're ever going to have this opportunity in your whole entire life and i feel like if someone had showed me that that like breakdown if you just put you know ten dollars a hundred dollars in right now where it's like not even, you don't even need to know anything about investing. Just like put it over into this other account. That's going to gain some interest or like a kind of like a safe where you don't have to do any work. It's just like automated over there. And it's a low amount of money and how you'd instantly be a millionaire in a very short amount of time. Cause you'd forget about this, like barely any money going over here and working for you. So to start enlightening and teaching, that's truly, you're talking about ripple effect and impact because it's changing generational wealth patterns just by educating at that 
age level and to really understand and make it something that's fun and exciting for them and not a taboo. It's like this open conversation to talk about. So I feel like that's so important. And I also feel like as you're talking about philanthropy and like doing things for third world countries, that I've, I personally believe is really the ultimate um, arrival at wealth is when we get to step into a giving space mm-hmm. and we're in a place to be able to do that. Um, so I love all of what you said. So, so good. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I think we definitely share some values. <laughs> so of course, I mean, this entire conversation was, has been chocked with chock full of goodness and nuggets of wisdom. But if you had just maybe like, I don't know, a parting word of wisdom, a, I don't, even in the context of if you were able to give your younger self some sort of advice, what would it be? It's kind of your moment to bring a sort of condensed super expander moment for the audience. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm going to give you the the 12 inch version. Unfortunately, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who have consistently earned great money over a long period of time and who are, you know, maybe at a point in their lives where they recognize the runway to not working that hard is short. And they realize they just haven't done, they haven't put any awareness or effort into the wealth building piece. And so what I would say is that a lot of them have convinced themselves or described that they thought it was something they'd get to later. Like, you know, when I have this amount of money coming in, then I'll start setting it aside as dividends or when I get to this level of income, you know, I'll, I'll start investing. And, you know, I guess my feeling and experience is small, consistent actions. You know, if you think about compounding and the way that, you know, money works is going to have a, a 10x impact in contrast to waiting till you think you're at that income level or profit level that you need to start investing. So, you know, I guess the, the pearl is, don't postpone, postpone good habits with your money because, you know, if, if you do that, you'll never be quite right. It'll always be, there'll always be justifications to go and buy the next car or upgrade the house. But if you kind of, and, you know, books like, you know, The, uh, the Richest Man in Babylon, which I love, I give that to kids all the time, is really saying set aside the money for investing first and then everything else afterwards. So I'm not advocating that you're so frugal that you starve your lifestyle, but if you don't make it a priority, and I said this already, the, sum, the summary is nobody cares about your money as much as you do. So if that's true, you've got to, even when you're struggling to put food on the table, even when you're you know, floundering to be in the black in your business, if you can live by the rule of setting aside even the most minuscule amount of money for later, then later becomes sooner. Mm. Such good advice. Start now. (laughs) Start small, start now. doesn't matter. Just start. Yeah, Um, that's it. So, so good. So how can the audience find you? What is the best way? I know we, we talked about your website, which will of course be in the show notes, but what's the best way for the for people to get in touch? So um, 
I am on all the socials, obviously. But uh, if uh, people want to understand more about my philosophy around wealth, I have my own podcast, which is the Alternative Investing Podcast. Um, so that's a good one to tune into. There's there's lots of gold in there about the mental game as well as the the tactical game on um, wealth building and life life with money. Mm. Go listen to the podcast and we'll have a whole list of all the places that you can, can find Selena in, in the show notes. We'll make it nice and easy for you. Thank you so, so much for being here, for sharing your knowledge, for just sharing just your beautiful light and wisdom. So grateful for you. Oh, it's been so fun. You ask some, um, some uh, very, very good questions that really you know, you can't give flipping answers to. So I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, as, I, as I'm listening, I'm like, oh, I want to, I heard this. I, I probably had like 15 more that I, I wanted to ask, <laughs> but well, that just means we'll have to have another podcast. We'll, oh, have, to have, we'll have to have another chat here sometime. <laughs> that would be amazing. It's been awesome being here. Ooh, thank you so much. And I'll catch you on the next episode. If you like what you heard, stop, drop, and leave a five-star review and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, the best way that you can thank our amazing guests is to share your biggest takeaway and then tag us on social media.